Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is John T. Warris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'll start off today's episode with an overview of what's happened in the markets. Yesterday evening saw all eyes once again on the US Federal Reserve when it announced its latest rate hike. As expected, the Fed delivered a rate hike of 0.75% in line with expectations for the fourth time in a row. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell acknowledged the need for interest rate hikes to continue until rates are sufficiently restrictive, leaving little doubt that he's prepared to push ahead with rate increases as high as is necessary to stamp out inflation. Going forward, Powell indicated that policy hikes could slow, but was firm that more tightening is needed. We'll hear more on this from senior economist David Meyer in a moment. Over to equity markets in the US now, which all ended in the red yesterday at market close, following volatile post-FOMC trading. The S&P 500 index closed down 2.5% with all of its sectors delivering negative performance. Relative outperforming sectors included utilities and financials, while the underperformers included consumer discretionary returning minus 3.8% and the tech sector with minus 3.5%. The tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 was also down 3.4%, and the VIX volatility index rose 0.2% to 25.86. In the UK, it's the Bank of England's turn today to make a rate announcement, with expectations for a 75 basis point hike now all but fully priced in in money markets. This would mark the central bank's largest rate increase in 33 years, in an effort to rein in spiralling double-digit inflation. In the fixed income space, US Treasuries came under pressure with curved bear flattening, giving up some of their earlier gains. Treasury yields rose following hawkish comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell with the two-year tenor gaining eight basis points while the 10-year was up six basis points. Over to Asia now, where the markets are trading lower this Thursday morning, with the Hang Seng Index down 3.3% and the Aussie S&P AX200 down 1.8% and the Korean Kospi is down 0.8%. Japanese markets are closed today due to a public holiday, Culture Day. Looking to currencies now, in overnight trading, US dollar versus yen has fallen, but is holding up above 147, while the euro gained versus the US dollar to remain above 0.98. Aussie dollar US dollar rises after falling in early trade as momentum funds sold the Australian dollar as rate differentials widened in favour of the greenback. And US dollar Norwegian krona declines ahead of Norga's rate decision later this morning. Cable has climbed back above 1.14 versus the dollar as investors wait to see if the expected 75 basis point hike materializes at lunchtime today. Briefly moving to commodities. Oil prices have fallen after Fed Chair indicated that interest rates will go higher than previously projected, overshadowing tightening supply. As a result, WTI crude slipped 0.6% to 89.46 a barrel. Gold was little changed at settlement, but then slumped post FOMC. And we'll hear more on the precious metal in just a moment. Bitcoin futures were down 1%. So what can we expect for the day ahead? European equity futures are pointing to a mixed open this morning, but look largely on course to follow their Asian and US counterparts as traders assess the Fed's outlook. And there's a whole host of data releases due today, with central bank interest rates announcements uh, expected from Norgus Bank, the Czech National Bank, and the Bank of England. Other data releases today uh, include Eurozone unemployment rate numbers, the US trade balance figures, US durable goods orders, and Swiss and Turkish CPI data. 
And lastly, earnings due out today include updates from BT, BMW, Hugo Boss, Sainsbury, Telefonica Deutschland, and Verbund. And that's it for the market's wrap. I would now like to hand over to David Meyer, senior economist, who will share with us his thoughts on the outcome of yesterday's FOMC meeting. Over to you, David. Yes, good morning, John T. and uh, to everybody listening. So you mentioned it, the FOMC increased the Fed Fund's target rate range by 75 basis points to 3.75 to 4% in a fourth consecutive meeting in a row. And the policy rate is now at its highest since January 2008. Um, this move uh, had been well telegraphed by the Fed ahead of the meeting and was expected to by consensus. So this limited the damage that this high interest rate hike of the Fed has caused in financial markets. Now, because the uh, statement of the FMC gave little new hints uh, on how the Fed wants to proceed further, uh, the press conference of Fed Chair Powell determined most of the post-meeting market reaction. And there at this conference, uh, Powell expressed a strong determination to hike rates further in the coming meetings, given the continued strength of the labor market and inflation data. So the strong focus uh, to address the risk that inflation is getting entrenched um, underscores the hawkish mindset of the Fed. And in our view, the Fed chair seems to be leaning towards an over-tightening of monetary policy. This because uh, showing economic activity and interest rate sensitive sectors uh, like construction and softer consumer credit dynamics, um, as well as the sharp tightening of overall financial conditions, appear to remain secondary for the Fed. Now, we think that uh, despite this overall hawkish outlook of the Fed, um, the pace of rate hikes is most likely to slow, as Powell indicated also, a slower pace of hikes at either the next or next next FMT meetings. So kind of pointing uh, to lower hikes, but hiking for longer. Um, we, in our view, uh, continue to expect the Fed to hike rates by a slower pace of 50 basis points at its next meeting in December, and then see an increasing risk that the Fed will continue uh, hiking rates in 2023 and over tightening uh, monetary policy. So um, the dollar uh, strengthened somewhat after the meeting, and we still see further U.S. dollar upside risks in the three-month horizon before the dollar will peak. But obviously, if the Fed overdoes it and may maybe even triggers a recession, our view of a peaking dollar going to the next year is challenged, and we would likely see a dollar strengthen further going into 2023. And that's all from my side. Back to you, John T. Thank you very much, David. We also have Carsten Menke, Head of Next Generation Research, with us this morning, who has an update for us on gold. Please, Carsten, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, John T. Obviously, also in the gold and silver markets, uh, yesterday was all about the Federal Reserve and its interest rate decision. And as you pointed out, the gold and silver markets breathed a sigh of relief initially as the Fed pointed at a slow path of future interest rate increases in order to gauge the impact of its tightening measures on the economy. So gold and silver jumped on the news, but then they took quite a harsh U-turn after Chairman Powell warned that the ultimate interest rate level could be higher than initially expected. So the US dollar strengthened again, US real bond yields rose, which pushed gold and also silver prices down by around 2% and 4% from the day's highs. These moves again underpin how dominant US monetary policy is at the moment as a driver for gold and also silver. Ultimately, it all boils down to the question if the US economy slips into recession or not. And in this regard, our view has not changed based on yesterday's meeting. 
While recession risks have clearly increased due to potential over-tightening of monetary policy, in our base case, we are still confident that it can be avoided. This would sustain the strength of the US dollar in the short term and lead to a further fading of safe haven demand in the medium to longer term. But considering how bearish the mood in the gold market already is today, we believe that prices should remain rather range-bound in this scenario, i.e. trade between $1,650 and $1,600 per ounce. The bear case for gold uh, from here would be more dollar-driven and market-mood-driven selling by investors, most likely due to continued aggressive tightening of the Federal Reserve. This should then lead to a short-term undershooting of prices. So gold, for example, could fall as low as $1,400 per ounce in our view, opening up a buying opportunity, as in this case, uh, most likely a recession would be a question of when, but not if. So last but not least, an outright recession from here uh, remains the bull case, as much of this year's damage in the gold market would be undone. The Fed would need to reverse course most likely, which would weigh on the US dollar and US real bond yields. This would lead to a swift reversal in the market mood from bearish to bullish and also lure safe haven seekers back into the gold market. And prices could rise as high as $1,900 per ounce in this uh, bullish scenario. So that's it. Uh, no real change in the view on gold. Uh, back to you, Jonti. Thanks very much, Carson, for your insights. And now I'm pleased to hand over to Nicola Jordan from our CIO strategy and investment analysis team with an update on the latest discussions within Julius Baer's investment committee. Over to you, Nicola. Thank you, Jonti, and good morning, everyone. So the first key topic on this week's investment committee agenda was obviously the current earnings season. Eagerly awaited, investors hoped to find out whether the epicenter of this year's market route will eventually shift from a contraction in valuation multiples to a deterioration in earnings. In fact, S&P 500 earnings have proved resilient so far this year, with the oil and gas sector being a major positive contributor. Earnings are key to validate our thesis that the October 13 opening level of the S&P 500 at 3,490 points was the bottom of the decline in 2022. Last week saw the earnings releases of the US big tech companies, also known as the FANGs. With the exception of Apple, the results were surprisingly weak and therefore not well received by investors, especially given the increasing cost basis reported. As a result, the FANGs lost nearly a combined 1 trillion US dollar in market cap before recovering somewhat. Interestingly, the market rightfully looked through these results and the S&P 500 index gained 4% last week. The reason is that the poor results among the FANGs are largely self-inflicted. The digital platforms have been at the forefront of this year's capital spending boom and there are no signals that this will change in the near future. To be clear, they still constitute attractive franchises but we see them slowly but surely transitioning from growth plays to more mature companies. Other than that, the ongoing earnings season is characterized by a dispersion of outcomes, as we expected. Earnings misses are largely concentrated in cyclical sectors, but overall numbers and expectations continue to support our bottoming scenario as we approach the end of the earnings season. Another key topic to watch out for going into 2023 is the ability of the US economy to absorb quantitative tightening. Money creation has been slowing drastically this year, 
and the Fed is well aware that its tightening efforts have a lagged impact on the US economy. Private sector credit growth is the key variable to watch in order to judge the resilience of the system. Sustained private sector credit growth of a structural nature with raised money flowing into the real economy, supporting nominal spending and hence nominal growth would significantly reduce the risk of a liquidity crisis in the months to come. However, QT combined with stalling private sector credit growth bears the deflationary risk of severely harming real economic activity. Lastly, we will observe the soon-to-be-released CPI statistics and labor market reports closely, as they remain decisive for the Fed's tightening path and risk asset valuations. With markets having nicely recovered in the past weeks and being out of oversold territory, there is the risk of a pullback if the expectations on inflation or Fed communication are disappointed. Accordingly, we maintain our residual equity hedge for now, which we previously reduced by half at the beginning of October. That's all from my side. Back to you, John T. Thank you very much, Nicola. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Many thanks to our speakers and thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. True Connections is a monthly podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs across the globe. We delve into the details of how they started their careers, their journeys in building businesses, and hear about some of the challenges that they faced along the way. Search for True Connections on your favorite podcast player.